0: We are in a series now. We have a series around this offering called Legacy. We're building a house for the next generation. Legacy is something valuable left to someone else. It is the long-lasting impact of a person's life. Legacy. And I want you to be able to leave a legacy. Mark chapter 10. We were in Mark chapter 10 last week, and I thought, let's just stay there. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 so the people brought children to Jesus hoping he might touch them and the disciples shooed them off but Jesus was irate and he let them know it i love that is that a great line he let them know it don't push these children away don't ever get between them and me wow are y'all awake this morning These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Mark this, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Then gathering the children up, oh man. All right, keep it together, preacher. Okay, gathering the children up in his arms. He laid his hands of blessing yes. on them. Yes. What a, just say amen to the scripture. Amen, everybody. Wow. Let's talk about leaving a legacy this morning. Leaving a legacy. Father, there's so much in my heart I want to say. Help me to say what, what you want to say in these very fleeting moments I have. I have 25 minutes on that clock in front of me. And I'm not trying to have fast food church, so help me in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Nothing like a good criticism on a Sunday morning to just fire you up, all right? So this is why I shouldn't be on social media on Sundays. All right. we Around here, we say that City Light is a house for the next generation. And uh, we didn't just come up with that. That's not just a cute slogan. We get that from Jesus. Jesus said, Children are the very center of life in the kingdom. What a a beautiful idea. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful phrase. Children are the very center of life in the kingdom. Center. I want you to think about center language. Jesus is at the center of heaven on the throne. Heaven surrounds the throne of God. So when God uses center language, he's using primary language. He's using focused language. He's using important language. He's, he's, he's using foundational language. That the ver- at the very foundation of heaven is Jesus, and at the very foundation of the kingdom of God is the next generation. Wow. These words, I have to be honest. Man, I'm just so emotional this morning. I'm not trying to be, I promise you and I'm trying to get it together right now. These words startled me this week because I'm asking Jesus, who is at the center of all eternity, to place in me his heart for what's at the center of his heart. That every sermon we sing and every song we sing and every Message we teach in every youth ministry we have and every children's ministry we have, and every every time we raise up new volunteers and every offering everything we do, we ought to be thinking about the thing that's at the center of Jesus and what's at the center like what's right, what's at the gut level of Jesus? It's children. Think about it. The next generation is at the center of kingdom life and should be at the center of all we do as a church. Jesus made a radical statement in Matthew eighteen six that a lot of us would read over and would kind of just go, that's weird, but we wouldn't understand its meaning. Let me give it to you: whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. I want you to catch that phrase. It would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. We read that and go, wow, that's radical. That's a common phrase of his day. It was a common phrase of their day to say, if you don't want a child, just wrap a millstone around their neck and get rid of them. I've been reading about the history of children Children do not find value in society until Christ appears in the earth. Until then, children were disposable and were free labor, and that was it. It is not until Christ appears in the earth that you see a change, a shift in ideas and culture. I'm talking about in world history, where people start to value children. Children were a commodity. Children were maybe a necessity, but they were not beautiful or human to the people of ancient history. And it's not until Christ comes on the scene that you see a change. This is why it is revolutionary for James to say, real religion shows up in taking care of orphans. You know, what does God have to do with them And God says, it has everything to do. I have everything to do with them. He's going, you think you can just get rid of a kid? He says, it'd be better for you to die than to touch one of them. Where you see Jesus, you will see a value for the next generation. And where you see the rejection of God, you will find a culture that sees no value in children. Wow. Exodus three fifteen, God said to Moses, see, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. he sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Listen to me, City Light, at this church we will always think in threes. Am I too old for a church like this? Nope. You just might be an Abraham. Very good. Very good. But you're not too old. Was Abraham too old? Absolutely not. He was having kids at hundred. Say it. We need you in this church. Yes. Not just your money, I need you. We need your wisdom. We need your prayers. We need your faith. We need your experience. We need you to grab young couples that are going through hell and tell them you can make it because I hated him too, but we made it. Oh, we went through that too, but we ma- I need you. I need your stories. I need your hope. Abraham, we need you. The music's loud. Get some earplugs. I need you. Feels like a lot of kids. You should see the 1145. I need you. I need you. Abraham, I need you. Isaac, I need you. Jacob, we must reach Jacob. So good. We will always think in threes at City Light Church, Amen. not in twos. Because Abraham and Isaac are in this auditorium. Yep. But, but I'm really after Jacob. I got to hang this week with some very special people. One of them is a man named Gerald Brooks. He's a, he's a mentor in my life. He's a pastor in Dallas. He's 65. He said, Jabin, I'm a children's pastor, and I'm a youth pastor. He's 65. I'm a children's pastor, and I'm a youth pastor. And we do adult ministry on the side. He said, I only offer adult ministry so we can minister to the kids. And I went, I love that. You know, we had 360 children last week in kids' church, 360. The average church in America is 60 people. We have a mega church over there. We care about it. We put our money where our mouth is. Why are you building a building for you? No, honestly, no. For them. I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. Man, I feel this. I feel like, you know what I feel like? This is a bad day. Because this is tier number four that I am holding back. I feel like the Holy Spirit is pleased with this. Yes. Amen. All right. In 15 minutes, here we go. The next generation is open to Jesus. Did you notice the children running up to him? 85% of people who will get born again in America will get born again before they're 18. Jesus said, don't get between me and them. Children are 22% of our population and 100% of our future. And it's our responsibility to reach them. It's our responsibility to have a church where Gen Z feels welcome. Those between 1997 and 2012. Only 4% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview. Only 4%. Gen Z spends seven and a half hours a day on their phone. They have the highest depression and suicide rates in history. Only 25% of Gen Z that says they're religious attend any kind of religious service. That's on every religion. Atheism has doubled from Gen Z, uh, from millennials to Gen Z, and so has alternative lifestyles. 25% of Gen Z has grown up without a father in their home. We got to be there. We got to be there we got to be there. We must be a church where Gen Z can receive Jesus, be discipled, and find spiritual family. Yes. We have a responsibility to them, and we're committed to them. And, and by the way, Gen Z doesn't have money. Amen. <laughs> so, 845, we got to pay for them. They don't have money yet. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name, he will not lose his reward. Generosity is what you do for those who cannot pay you back. We're building a house for people that will never say thank you and will never know what we did for them. And then one day, they're gonna have to build a house for their next generation. God is in to changing young people's lives. He gave Joseph a dream. He gave David a kingdom. He gave a boy with a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of pieces of fish the opportunity to be part of a miracle by feeding the 5,000. He gave Samson a supernatural calling. He gave Esther a mission. He gave Mary the Messiah. God has always had a plan for the next generation and he still does. When God chose to come to the earth, he didn't arrive as an adult. Very good. He arrived as, his, as an infant, as a seed, as a child. Number two, let's build him a house of worship let's build them. Generation Z, Generation Alpha, let's build them a house of worship. David is talking to his prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel 7, and he says, I dwell in this house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. He goes, he goes, I've got a house, but but my church is portable this sermon really works in this season. Amen. (laughs) Because he goes, he goes, God's over in a tent and I'm in this beautiful house. And, and he goes, I want to do something about that. And Nathan said to the king, go do what's in your heart. It's in your heart. Watch this. God never told him to do it, but it was in his heart. God never commanded it, but God did honor it. I want you to catch this. Why don't we just be portable till Jesus comes? Yeah, I mean, I guess. But it's in my heart to build him a house. I can't explain this. I can't, I can't explain this. It was, it, it, God never made David do it. But God was honored by David's obedience. Well, well, you go on to 1 Chronicles 28, and God speaks to David and goes, well, listen, you're a man of bloodshed. You're a man of war. So this isn't actually about you, David. It's actually about your son, Solomon. This will be for Solomon. It won't be for you. It wasn't called the Temple of David. It was called the Temple of Solomon. man, I'm a millennial, but we're not building a house for millennials though they're going to come. Yes. Or Gen X or boomers, yes. though I hope they all come. Yes. We're, actually, we're actually building a, a, a house for Z and Alpha. Yes. Now, now, David got to see it and David got to be amazed by it and David gave generously to it. But here's what I want you to see. But it was, but it was for the next generation. David financed it. Solomon enjoyed it. God speaks about David in 1 Kings eight seventeen. He goes, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. God goes, that was really cool that you did that for me. I never made you do it. I never even asked you to do it. But that was cool. I don't know. That's just how I hear it. That's in the Hebrew language. Amen. God said, that's cool. God goes, you did well. Good job, son. You built me a house and I never asked for it. Why does everything have to be a command? What if we just loved God so much that we just wanted to build a house for him? And for them. I'm going to name drop. Is that okay? Can I name drop? Go ahead. I'm going to name drop. If you say no, sorry, I'm going to name drop. Uh, I, got, I got to spend three days this week with John Maxwell. And uh, I know, whoosh, dropped it. John and I got to sit. Uh, we got to have a few meals, just the two of us. And one of them, we were having lunch. I said, John, so we're building this building. And I said, well, what? What should, I, what should I tell our church? Just give me, you're 76. What should I tell our church? And I thought it was so cool what, what, John, what John said. John said, remind them that the building will outlast them. And I said, go deeper. Because you don't talk around greatness, you listen, right? So I said, just yeah, yeah. continue. Continue. And he goes, in the early, uh, in the 1990s, early 1990s, he said, we built a $50 million building in San Diego for Skyline Church. And in 93, I resigned to enter into the world of leadership. He goes, we built that building and we paid it off and we gave it to the city of San Diego. You know, it's, it's still there. And he goes, I haven't been in San Diego since 93. Nobody who walks in a skyline church this Sunday knows that John Maxwell built that building. It's completely outlived me. He goes, this Sunday, people are gonna get saved. This Sunday, the church is still growing. This Sunday, that building is debt-free. But I'm not there. But the church is. But I'm not there. But the building is. But I'm not there. But my legacy is. I'm not going to pastor City Light forever. I feel like I got a good 25 more years. Amen? Amen. All right. I think 65's a good time. You know, I don't want to be preaching. My dentures fly out, but I want to preach something about 65, and then I want to pastor pastors. Bob, we're going to build buildings all over this city. And in 30 years, people are going to be like, so who started this? I don't know, jabbing, hobbing. J-Bez. I don't remember. Chavez, I don't know. Some guy, Oh, cool. No one will care. But we're building. I like. He said, "Tell him the building outlasts them." All right. Lastly, what's your part? What is your part? May the keys come up. I hope you hear my heart today. I am on. I am just on the verge of just. Having to a, just a, just cry my eyes out because I just I feel this today I just feel it I just feel it. <sighs> Gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands of blessing on them. Wow, Jesus gathered the children. And we're building a gathering place for children. Hmm. I asked last week, again, I asked last week who's new to the church in 2023 and half the congregation raised their hand. If I was to say who's come to faith this year or recommitted their life to Christ this year, hundreds and hundreds of hands in every service would be raised. And here's what I wanna remind you of. Someone gave for you to be here. Someone gave in the last five years for you to be here. Yeah. Um, last year, about this time, we were announcing that we were leaving our small little building on Westworm Springs. We were coming to the high school. And I said, this is not in our budget. And it wasn't. And I said, we need about $100,000 to make the move from that building to, to this high school for all the gear and all the stuff that we needed and all the Different, just everything, $100,000. And I said, if, I said, maybe you can be a part of that today. And I asked the church, maybe prayerfully consider just helping us with that. And then I said, or maybe you just have $100,000, you just wanna pay for it. I said, if you wanna do that, I'll take you to Sonic and I'll get you a cherry limeade. <laughs> everyone laughed. And I laughed. And I walked out to the lobby after, and a man walked up to me and he put a check in my hand and he said, let's go to Sonic. Fast forward a few weeks, we had our first service ever in here for Christmas services. And the place was just jammed all night. And Omar had taken a picture of the of the room full and hands being lifted for salvation. And I sent it to that man. And I said, Thanks for being a part. Thanks for being a part. No one knows who he is. We didn't name this auditorium after him. We don't, you know, it's not about that. He don't want no fame. He would say, please never tell anybody that. Yeah. But when all those hands were lifted, he got to say, hey, I got to be a part of it, of the miracle. Not I want a seat on the front row. Not I need time with the pastor. Not I need a meeting. Just, well, I got to be a part. So good. Cool. God didn't tell him to give it. It was just in his heart. David said, gather the children around you in Psalm 102. He said, gather them around you and, and tell them this. Tell them he will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. Let this be recorded for future generations. He says, He says. grab those who are younger than you and tell them so that a people not yet born or born again will praise the Lord. Tell them the Lord looked down from his heavenly sanctuary. He looked down to the earth from heaven to hear the groans of the prisoners to release those condemned to die. David said, tell the story to the children. Three questions that I think come up in our in our minds as we enter into next week. Uh, there's a good question: What can I afford? That's a good question. I'm not asking anyone to max out your credit cards. <laughs> okay, That's not your money; that's uh, Visa's money. All right, that's not. <laughs> I'm not as, asking anyone to sell a car. I'm not. That's. But but just I think that's kind of the first natural question. But, but what can we afford? Let can give a hundred bucks. It's like okay, cool, but. But maybe here's a better question. What can I sacrifice? What can I sacrifice? That's a a great question. That's a better question. But I think here's the best question. What's God asking me to do? What's, What's the Holy Ghost nudging me to do? And I believe two and three will kind of connect. Right? I'm not asking you to give something you can't feed your kids next week, okay? Please, hear my heart. Okay, I'm not talking like that. I'm just saying like, there's this balance of like, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna do something that's gonna stretch my faith, but what's the Holy Spirit telling me to do? I entered into 2023. And my, my word from our fast uh, we fast at the beginning of every year, and my word for the year was radical generosity, radical harvest. That's what the Lord told me. He said, this is going to be a year of radical generosity and radical harvest for you. And I said, all right. He then instructed me that any time I traveled and preached this year, any time I went out and spoke, which I've been doing for uh, the last 12 years of my life, I preach at churches, I preach at conferences. I preach at events. I speak at different things, le- different leadership things. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge part of my life, and it's, it's a massive part of, of how I eat, how I live. And the Lord said, everywhere you go in 2023, you don't, you don't keep that. You don't keep any of it. Anytime you go preach, you ask that church to make the checkout, not to Jaben Chavis Ministries, but to City Light Church, and you don't get any of it. You don't get a kickback, you don't get a bonus, you don't get a tithe, you don't get any of it. It all goes to the church. That's what the Holy Spirit asked me to do this year. And it stretched my faith and it, and it changed our budget. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's three kinds of giving in the Bible. There's the tithe that's commanded. There's the off- offering that's commanded. But then there's extravagant offerings. Now, that's a really cute way. Can I just, can I keep it real with you? That's a really cute way of saying an ouch offering. Yeah. Yeah. Extravagant. Isn't that beautiful? No, it hurts. <laughs> it makes you go, ow. It's like, Ooh. It's like the hot plate that comes at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Y'all ever been there? They go, the plate's hot. You go, okay, and then you touch it anyway, right? Because we ought to test it. Tested. Ah! It's like, it's like that kind of offering. It just makes you go, "Whoa! Oh, I'm alive. <laughs> David gave an extravagant offering in 1 Chronicles 29. Moses gave an extravagant offering in Exodus 36. Solomon in 1 Kings 3. Mary in John 12. The church in Acts 5. These were spirit-led, from the heart, generous gifts. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon gave a 1,000 burnt offerings on the Day of Atonement when he was only required to give one. He did not do what was required. He did what was in his heart. It was big, extravagant, over-the-top, special, and un. Necessary. by the way God's response to him that night that night God shows up and says what do you want what do you want because you just proved to me that money's not your master what do you want and then Solomon proved it with his prayer God give me wisdom give me an understanding heart And God goes, You didn't ask for money, you didn't ask for victory, and you didn't ask for your enemies. So I'm gonna give you wisdom. And because you didn't ask for it, I'm gonna throw all that in. I'm gonna give you money, victories, and your enemies. Because you didn't make it about that. You made it about me and you. And you made it about the people, because you know what Solomon's prayer for wisdom was, right? He said, I need wisdom for your people. He didn't say, My people. He said, for the people you've entrusted me with, they're too great for me. I can't do this without you. Oh, there's one more. There's one more extravagant offering in the Bible. Where are my church people at? For God so loved us that he gave his only precious extravagant painful over the top son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life and I want to be like my dad pray with me bow your head pray with me let's all stand because I need a reminder that I have to quit don't leave but just stand with me we're almost done I promise if you've never received that gift That's all I care about. Jabe and I do not know Jesus or I'm far from God and I need to come, I need to believe in him. If that's you, pray with me. I I have not placed my faith in Christ or I've walked away from God, I need to come home. Pray with me, pray with me, pray with me. Pray with me, everybody in the room, pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you you died for me. I I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. For the things I've done and make me brand new. Jesus be my Lord, be my savior.